or 132. Uh, I'm look like I'm up first. I'll go ahead and get started. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. The mind of all beings. In the story of Shakyamuni Buddha's life 2,500 years ago, he left his father's house as Prince Siddhartha Gautama and entered religious life under the guidance of an ascetic teacher. His father was very, very concerned about this. So he sent three cousins and two servants to see what was going on. But those five stayed and became monks along with him. <laughs> then after six years of hard practice, Shakyamuni broke the ascetic precepts and accepted food from a young girl in the village. His five friends were very disappointed by this and they left him. Shakyamuni continued to meditate alone, sitting under the Bodhi tree. On December 8th, he attained and became the Buddha. I think it's Daniel. Yep, that's me. Um, after quietly enjoying the depth of his life, Buddha decided to tell others about what he had discovered. So he found his friends and preached on the ocean seal Samadhi, explaining the dynamic reality we are living in and his realization that his own life exists within the reality, within that reality. Unfortunately, this teaching was at too high a level and the five friends didn't understand it. So after that, he decided to teach in a different way. That is the four noble truth on the eightfold noble path. But an explanation of the world in terms of Buddha's ocean seal samadhi is given later in the Avatamsaka Sutra, Flower Ornament Sutra, a Mahayana text that is used by the Huayan school. Ocean refers to truth. The image of everything in the human world is entirely reflected in Buddha's world. So all phenomena are already truth. Seal is proof. Shakyamuni stamped truth by proving it through his own experience. Samadhi is direct experience of the continuous activity of Akasha, the vast openness of existence, which is constantly interpenetrating the world of phenomena. That is the ocean seal Samadhi. The Avatamsaka Sutra explains that the truth does not exist by itself, separate from phenomena, and phenomena do not exist separate from the truth. Truth and phenomena work together as one. If so, we have to think carefully and look deeply at the reality we live in. As a practical matter, we have to deal with a reality where space and time, unity and multiplicity, equality and discrimination are interwoven. How can you deal with it? Where can you deal with it? We have to learn this. That is why Buddha taught the ocean seal samadhi.
The Avatamasaka Sutra says that the triple world is one mind only. This one mind is not the ordinary mind of human consciousness. One mind is just energy. It is the energy that is inherent in universal life, constantly helping and supporting all sentient beings. The triple world is the human world of past, present, and future. So it means that the whole world, the universe, is based on or produced by only one mind. One mind is constantly moving. There is no fixed form you can hold on to. So we call that energy emptiness, but actually something <laughs> is working. This functioning is what we mean when we say the myriad dharmas are exactly one mind. Here the term dharma represents something, anything, everything, animate or inanimate, which may arise in the human world of phenomena. Everything that exists is within the universal mind. Mind is at work in everything. This is Shujo Shin, the one mind of all sentient beings. All sentient beings are sentient beings because they are of one mind. I'm not breathing tonight. Okay. With me? Yeah. Before you think, you already exist in one mind. The psychological teaching of Buddhism has developed very much according to this point. Psychologically speaking, one mind is called alaya vijnana, or universal consciousness. According to Dogen's Fukan Zazenji, this mind is called the non-thinking world. According to the Prajna Paramita Sutra, it is just called mind, huge mind. From the universal perspective, we say all are Buddha. According to the Avatashaka Sutra, there's only one mind, but it is open to all beings. So if we say we have mind, it is the one mind that is the universal path, the Buddha way. Whether you are conscious of it or not, something is always happening. The Buddha way of the, the universal path of one mind is constantly opening to all sentient beings. What is it? It is nothing but movement, the, the perpetual flow of energy to live, to be present. You can experience the Buddha way because your life is always right on it. The movement of mind becomes the source of energy of your life. Life is constantly springing up. It's just like spring water coming out of, out of the ground. You receive that energy before your human consciousness appears. That's why Zen teaching talks about the word prior to the germination of any subtle, uh, subtle idea. In Zen practice, 
we try to receive that energy with full awareness, appreciate it and work with it. If you don't work with it, if you don't have your own spirit, diligence or effort to act and move toward one mind, when you see that universal energy directly, it will look like a black hole to you. Intellectually, you can't see what's going on there. So you feel threatened and really scared. It's like suddenly being thrown over a boat into a huge ocean. There's nothing there. Your head spins very quickly. What is this? Where am I? What can I do? But whatever you think, it doesn't make sense. It just seems that everything is going to be sucked into a deep hole. This is particularly so when you are confronted with a crisis, some situation where you cannot move an inch. Most people hesitate when they are confronted with a spiritual crisis. Then it scares them more and more, and finally they don't know what to do. But whatever happens, still you are present in the ocean of truth. The original, the original great energy of life is supporting your life. So in that situation, what you have to do is take the initiative and work with the ocean. There's nothing to think, nothing to say. All you can do is just be there and offer your body and mind to the ocean. Then your original energy causes you to act in a certain way and you can do something. Swim. Even though you don't understand what one mind hey. is. Oh. Gee. Um, okay. Even though you don't understand what one mind is, it's there in your life. So you can use the energy of one mind to make your life alive. It's like driving a car. Even if you don't know everything about how a car works, still you can start it and operate it. So every day, just make every possible effort to let that energy rise up and make your life vividly alive. Then you can turn your life spiritually. You can transform your human life and become Buddha. Two gates of one mind. How does Shu Zhou Shin, the one mind of all sentient beings, extend to the universe, <coughs> expressing itself as individual beings in the human world? The awakening of faith is an important Mahayana Buddhist text that tries to explain. In particular, it explains that the one mind appears by two gates the gate of truth, nirvana, and the gate of phenomena, samsara. Is it me? Yes. Thank you. To teach You're the welcome. gate of truth, the, yes, <laughs> this book explains two kinds of truth, the truth beyond words and the truth explainable in words. The truth beyond words is real truth. You cannot touch real truth intellectually because it is exactly the same as the one mind of all sentient beings. There is no gap between you and the one mind. 
no room for you to create a concept. But on the other hand, truth must be explainable. Otherwise, you would not be able to say one mind. It's kind of contradictory to say that you can explain truth, but you cannot touch it intellectually. But actually, this is really true. For instance, silence. Originally, in the true sense of the true sense, life is very quiet. But in the human world, everyone is always chattering and making noise. If I want people to be quiet, I have to say be quiet. But when I say be quiet, it is not quiet because I am making noise. Still, I have to do this so that everyone quiets themselves down and has an opportunity to experience real quiet. It's the same with truth. When the one mind appears in the human world, it is the real truth. When you explain truth in words, it is not exactly truth because you have created concepts. So it is called worldly truth. The two truths are very close. So you have to be very careful to understand truth. We cannot ignore truth that is explainable in a world. Buddhism spends lots of time trying to explain what truth is instead of telling you, just believe. Why do we explain? We have to explain in order to help people know the real, the real truth for themselves. If we say that the one- wouldn't, I want to say something. Wouldn't this be the same as, um, you know, if you tried to tell someone why you love them, you would have all these words, but it wouldn't quite be, they'd have to take those words and then like make something else of it to understand what you were saying, right? It's also like um, a classic example is trying to tell somebody what a strawberry tastes like. If they've never tasted a strawberry, you can paint a picture of it, but unless you actually taste it, it's not quite strawberry. A lot of it would be, it's like this or like this or like this. Yeah, it's like tart, a little bit sweet, you know, a little grainy, you know, but until you actually taste, taste it or... But I, like, imagine trying to explain what the visual world is to someone who has never seen <gasps> or the auditory world if they've never heard. Right. <laughs> I like this idea that there's the true truth and you have to use one to, to get to the other because the other can't be explained with words. It was already Nagarjuna who uh, separated um, the, the truth. He didn't call it truth. Um, there, there will be two expressions to uh, name them. Uh, and one of them was Gyabahara that was on the mundane level and the other one was Paramartha that was on the absolute level. And then as uh, time went on, then there were three levels. There was one in between 
And that was probably what we are reading here, that we need to do some work. But originally it was like, like this, uh, just two levels. Anyway, I just thought out of it. Yeah, thank you. No. It kind of reminds me of how we have like a human experience of something and it feels true to us. But then when our perspective changes, suddenly what we thought was true, um, you know, mm -hmm. somehow somehow changes. Maybe that's the levels you're talking about, Trouty. Yeah. 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 Uh, if we say that the one mind of all sentient beings appears by two gates, truth and samsara, then what is samsara? The gate of samsara is the gate of origination and extinction, birth and death. Briefly speaking, it is the transient human world of phenomena, which is called the samsaric world. According to the 12-fold chain of conditioned arising, in the first link, the mind of the samsaric world covers up the mind of truth with the veil of ignorance. So even though truth is veiled in ignorance, the mind of truth is still there. I like that thought. This teaching puts a provisional name on the mind of truth when it is veiled in delusion. Tathagata Garbha. Tathagata is Buddha and Garbha, Garbha is a mother's womb. Tathagata Argaba is like a seed or embryo in the mother's embryo, in the mother's womb. It means that we are babies. Anytime you are ready, you can come out because the world of transient phenomena is grounded on truth as a fundamental aspect of human life. According to this teaching, the mind of samsara is provisionally called alayavijnana or universal consciousness. That is the very basic consciousness at the bottom of the human world. If you deeply research what samsara is, how the human world is coming and going from moment to moment based on impermanence and how its arising is structured by independent co-origination, you can see oh, the- Oh, I'm sorry, it's in interdependent. Oh, I'm sorry, I meant to say that. Yeah, yeah, okay, Inter go on. Interdependent co-origination you can see the total picture of samsara. This is called perfect awareness of alaya vijnana. What does perfect mean? In the Heart Sutra, Mahapraja Paramita, har, har, how do you say that? Hardaya? Hardaya. Hardaya. R, r in Sanskrit <laughs> and... Uh, Russian, Polish, Czech, and some other languages is a vowel. 
the human world is always expressed in a negative way. <coughs> I don't, oh, I don't think of it as negative, but no eyes, no ears, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind. But that, oh, but this is not negative. Okay. <laughs> no nose. This doesn't make sense. The, wait, does anyone get that? Why he's saying? No, no, read on, read on. Okay. Going. <laughs> no nose means perfect awareness of your nose. See, I, I agree. Okay. So if you realize your nose exactly, you have no concept of your nose, but your nose is exactly with you in peace and harmony. <laughs> if, if, if you totally realize, a la Vijanana, there is no Allah of Vijanana because Allah, Allah Vijanana is exactly with you. The concept of Allah Vijanana appears because you are exactly true to self. Disappears. Thank you. The concept of Allah Vijanana disappears because you are exactly truth itself. At that time, perfect awareness of Allah Vijanana is called Tatha Gata Garbha. Hold on. So, <clears throat> so sound like what it's trying to say is if, uh, how can I put it? Um, so ba basically you want, you won't notice your nose if you're, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to, it's a hard question to ask because I, I don't, I don't know how to word it right. Um, If it's, it's, it's basically saying that, that the nose is not separate, so you you don't know you don't notice the nose or that it's not there. I think it's kind of like the strawberry thing, you know. Instead of putting the concept of a nose uh, <clears throat> on your nose, if you take the word away and the concept away, there's just this experience of what this is. <laughs> you oh, touch okay. it. You know, I mean, that's what I get, but I don't know. I may be wrong. But I thought the heart sutra meant to go beyond yeah. eyes, nose, tongue, body. Um, oh, I, yeah. I, so how is a perfect awareness of your nose mean that you well, have no concept of your nose? It just. Maybe you're going beyond the concept of it um what I, says, go ahead trouty what do you, well, do you have i just wanted to say i mean maybe i did not read it as literally as maybe i should but um of course i i smell smoke i'm not thinking of my nose you're thinking of the smoke well i have an awareness of the smoke but deep down or anyway uh, I know they did not come through my ears right All right so you don't imagine then the nose as some kind of a concept I mean it is there embedded that there was a functioning 
that presented you with smoke or maybe a perfume or whatever else um, that would be apparent, but you would not think of, of your nose. Yeah. But it, but it says no nose means perfect awareness of your nose. So right. you, go ahead. It's, 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 I'm thinking it's, it's like it's like smelling, seeing, it's the ING. There isn't a no. nose doing this or a separate thing doing this. There's just the movement. Okay. Nosing. Nosing, yeah, <laughs> nosing. <laughs> nosing, so, you know, smelling, seeing, you know, feeling, touching, I don't know, whatever this is. But you don't take the words away and it's just what it is. I think he's saying perfect awareness because it's not yeah. under the, uh, the delusion that there's something there with the essence of nose. But I thought that the whole point was to not have an object of mind, like smelling or seeing or hearing. Well, well I guess you, you have to call it something. <laughs> not if you're beyond it, not if you don't have an object of mind. Perhaps you're experiencing it, you see. That's it. I mean, there's an experience, but you're 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 moving away from the concept of the actual experience is going beyond. I think. I'm just talking about the Heart Sutra, which says to go beyond it. I, I'm not talking about the whole universe and what we do with it. You know, um, obviously we experience the world of smelling. Well, he's referring here to um, the Mahaprajna Paramita Daya. And um, this is what he says here. So yeah. that it immediately came to me that, yes, the no nose there still also means what, what it meant uh, for Nagarjuna. We mm. are not absolutely devoid of our uh, sensory capacity. We would fall into a hole, right? They would not say. But in, but in moments where we are one mind, we aren't necessarily ex experiencing oh. self as having individual noses or individual ears. Right. But you're experiencing something. You can't get away from the experiencing. That's what we are. We're experiencing something. You know, it's... it's um, we're experiencing not having sense perceptions, maybe. Hmm. And he says, actually, right on the top, the human world is always expressed in a negative way. And then it's no, 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 no. And then he says, this is not negative, right? Yeah. It's not one or the other, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's not complete nothingness here and then, you know, sensory perceptions over here. It's, I don't know. But the nothingness refers to that it does not have anything permanent and substantial. Right. Always moving, always changing, interdependent. That's what I, that's kind of the way I, I see it, Trouty, too. Well, thank you. Okay, who's reading now? Maybe you. Um, did, did Gail go? <clears throat> oh. No. Okay, where are we? 
<laughs> the in very the I think we're at the very basic conscious world. <laughs> is it is it uh, the the paragraph in the Heart Sutra? No, we read that. Well, that's fast, what we've been fast. discussing. Oh yes, that's right. We did. Oh, the very basic, the very basic conscious world and the womb of Buddha are very oh, close. Just a second. We have a new person. Wow. Okay, the person's joining, but hasn't joined, so I don't know what's going on. So why don't you, would you read again, Gail? The very basic conscious world and the womb of Buddha are very close, touching. The bottom of the human world is the bottom of uh, Alaya Vijjana, and simultaneously, it is Tathagata Argaba. That is why we say that Alaya Vijjana and Tathagata Argaba are exactly the same thing. When Alaya Vijjana touches Tathagata Garba, you forget yourself. And it is called Mu, emptiness, the unconditioned, suchness or wisdom. In Zen Buddhism, we say enlightenment. In general Buddhism, it is the Dharmakaya, you become Buddha. This reminds me of, didn't Peg say that that was the koan that really got her? Yes. Mu. Does a dog have Buddha nature? Yes. <laughs> Move. Many kinds of phenomena arise as the contents of the human world, but everything that exists in the human world is based on sentient beings as one mind. As a human being, your mind of truth is like a very rough diamond. When the diamond is rough, you don't see the real diamond, but if you polish it, you find there is a diamond inside. That is your Buddha nature. Anytime, anywhere, you can experience your own life as Buddha. Something is going dynamically, just being movement and nothing else. That is the experience of freedom. Uh, just a second, I wanna highlight this, this is nice. Yes. Intellectually, it's pretty hard to understand this one. But there is a unique way to experience this, Zazen. When you sit down in Zazen, you can go either way, toward the dualistic mind of delusion or deeper, toward the one mind of freedom. If you go deeper with one step, you can touch the very bottom, the ground of sansara, where Allah of Vijnana turns into Tathagata Garna and you experience nirvana.
before we go to this chapter, anything more we want to say? I just wanted to share an idea in regards of the no-nos and all that. Yes. Um, so uh, it came to my mind that um, when you're studying math, you, you can have a positive number or a negative number, like two positive or negative two, or I don't know how to say in English, but there's an absolute value. So when you use that symbol, that absolute value in math, it means the value of the number, not in negative or in positive. So that came to my mind because probably what is trying to say in, the, in that sutra, but no knows means the full awareness of that is kind of that the same. So no matter the concepts, it is what they meant to be in the most powerful thing or something. Yeah, well, I, th I think you're onto something. And, and where it says form is emptiness, emptiness is form. So simultaneously, it is both, you know, like what Genev is talking about, the object. So it's, it's both is and isn't. So it's the absolute value. It's all together. And to try to just latch on to one part of it is, is not seeing the whole picture. Okay, okay. You know, if, if you focus on just that it's positive or just the negative. Okay. But okay. Does that make sense to you, Trouty? That there's both, there are both sides of it. Well, he talked in those terms, right? Yeah. But I, I like uh, uh, what uh, Milan brought in. Um, that's uh, a nice, uh, another way of uh, having a similar or a metaphor. It makes me think of a yin yang also. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Thank you. Okay, the wisdom of emptiness. Who's reading? Is it? It might be Trout. Trout. Did I read the last one? No. Yeah. Yes. You did? Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. Trouty. So okay. <laughs> I cannot see the, or when I see it, then I actually the, the screen gets blocked half up. So when I see the, the participants. Okay, the wisdom of emptiness. Originally, we are completely vastness. In the vastness of the universe, there is no dichotomy, no discrimination. There is perfect peace and harmony. Philosophically speaking, this is called emptiness. Sometimes vastness is personalized and it's called Buddha. If you experience that emptiness, it is called Buddha nature. Plainly speaking, it is universal consciousness. Before you start to think, your life is already present there. So if you want to realize the truth of life, all you have to do as best as you can, is stand up straight and start to walk. Okay. Can, can we read that paragraph again, please? Can you 
reverse it, please. Shall I read it? How about the next person reads it? Okay. So we, we hear it with okay. a different voice. Okay, good. Originally, we complete that. I mean, originally, we are completely vastness. In the vastness of the universe, there's no dichotomy, no discrimination. There's perfect peace and harmony. Philosophically speaking, this is called emptiness. Sometimes vastness is personalized and it's called Buddha. If you experience that emptiness, it is called Buddha nature. Plainly speaking, it is universal consciousness. Before you start to think, your life is already present here, there. So if you want to realize the truth of life, all you have to do as best as you can is stand <laughs> up straight and start to walk. You know what that makes me think? The sentence that really pops out to me is before you start to think, your life is already present there. You know, um, it's really interesting when you start to do zazen and you notice the constant narrative inside. Mm. But the absence of that is just beingness, just moving around, just doing your life. In Shobo Jinzo Sansukyo, Mountain and River Sutra, Dogen Zinji said that if you think walking just means walking around on two feet, you do not fully understand walking. Real walking is wholehearted participation in coming and going. I'm sorry. I don't know why that happened. Coming and going. Origination and cessation, moment after moment. Walking in that way is proceeding through the realm of truth. A photographer used to talk about the difference between seeing and looking, where one, you're orienting yourself, and one, you're really getting what's in front of you. And I don't know, I can't remember which is which. But there is a big difference, isn't there? I mean, two really different ways of seeing. And I was telling someone that supposedly in ancient China, if you if you if you said to someone, "Oh, I've seen that painting," that would mean that you could reproduce it for memory. Mm. You know, and we we say, "Oh, I know that person." And that means that you could recognize them, you know, maybe if there were three people in front of you, you could pick out the one. You know, we use all these terms very loosely, don't we? I know, I've seen that movie. Now, I had a friend who used to, when, when he would go to a movie, he'd see it over and over and over again. He'd go to the first showing in a day and then see it until the last showing, you know, because, and he knew, he remembered it. And I don't know exactly what that has to do. Oh, real walking. Mm -hmm. So it's not just moving one foot. And we, we kind of experience that a little in Kinhan, don't we? Yes. And yet it isn't also um, 
the mind, <laughs> how can you say it? Uh, I, I had that experience of um, um, walking after kind of an opening that I had and where I was just in beingness for a little while, but then my mind would come in and I'd go, oh, this is it, just walking. And then I would go walk, walk, step, step. And that then I knew that I was gone because <laughs> my mind came in and started to try to hang on to the concept and make me feel like I am walking, you know, and, uh, you know, <laughs> instead of walking instead of walking, <laughs> you know, but it's not like walking and thinking of a, a billion other things either. You know, it's, it, it's kind of hard to explain. It's just doing <coughs> this one thing effortlessly. Well, it reminds me of drawing where if you're drawing at someone's face and you think I'm drawing a nose now, you're gonna get it wrong because you're drawing, then you're gonna be drawing what you think a nose is supposed to be. Whereas if you're deep, if you're wholeheartedly seeing uh, or communing with this, what you're looking at, you see dark and light and sharp and soft and, and shading and lines and, and, and the energy of the lines. And it's not a nose, it's all of those things and then later when you step back you're like oh oh that was a nose but at the time you weren't seeing a nose you were seeing its being and you in were light dark and your hand was moving your hand was moving and 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 moving in concert with what was being seen right you know but as soon as your mind comes in i love that i love that um you know explanation because that was kind of what my experience was there was the actual freedom of the beingness of the movement. And then there was the mind came in all of a sudden after a while and started narrating what I was doing. And then I lost it totally. It was like <laughs> self so, so it, our mind has to develop us to a certain point before we're able to do that. A kid doesn't do that with their right. drawing. They're, and one of the reasons why supposedly there aren't visual prodigies like there are musical prodigies is that music is a continuous thing there's not that kind of switch that has to occur from drawing what you know to drawing what you see in music it's just continuous and so there can be you know you can be a great musician at four years old but but it really doesn't exist you know there's some pretty cool kids visually but but not a real, I don't know, you know, there are real exceptions. Yeah. On the other hand, walking, if you've ever seen a baby learning to walk, they don't have a mind that's saying, now I put my foot down, now I do this, now I do that. They are just in the midst of finding balance and movement, you know, <laughs> it's a, yeah, I had fun watching one the other uh, the other day, just Saturday, I think, yeah. in the park. It was must have been his first week walking. It was oh. Really cool. Yeah, all you have to do is stand up straight and start to walk. <laughs> oh. Okay, who's reading? 
Uh, it's me now. Maybe we should stop here uh, because it's 7.56. Yep. And we'll take 10 minutes to walk, write, draw, meditate. Could someone talk? Sure. Can Great. you hear me? Yes, you <laughs> can talk. Thank you. Well? Oh, should I say more? Okay. <laughs> Um, this is what I wrote. Gently holding the cosmos at your center, surrendering wholeheartedly to the infinite, opening receptivity to the spark. All is Buddha nature. Turning toward the shadows makes you whole brings you home, sets you free. Think of how it would change if rather than your, what do you use the word your center, right? Yes. If you did the center. Yep. I mean, that changes it, doesn't it? Quite a bit. Yes. That's it. Could you read it again? I'd really love to hear it again. Yes. Maybe read it that way, if you sure. would. Okay. Gently holding the cosmos at the center, surrendering wholeheartedly to the infinite, opening receptivity to the spark. All is Buddha nature. Turning toward the shadows makes you whole, brings you home, sets you free. It's beautiful, Jenna. Thank you. I especially like hearing about turning toward the shadow. Yeah, it's not separate. What's your vision of this makes you whole? Well, we tend to, or humans tend to, try to push away the shadow. Oh, hole in that sense. Okay. Yeah. Daniel would like to share something. Yeah, I didn't write anything, uh, but uh, yeah, I usually 
reread those chapters after uh, our sitting, trying to grasp it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Now today I was actually I have yeah when we were reading. Of course, it's it's, it's pretty challenging um, the the text and. Uh, I on my backyard I can see deer walking and it crossed my mind that uh, that we struggle a lot trying to understand things who we are and deer and other animals they don't have to struggle this way and um, and then just thinking that it's uh, our intellect is kind of curse. Uh, just in some sense, you know, I feel like I'm looking forward to my next reincarnation. You know that expression, damned if you do and damned if you don't? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so damned if you think and damned if you don't think. It's, there's no way to uh, survive. You may not have to wait for the next incarnation. You can just wait till next week. <laughs> no. <laughs> on, the other, on the other hand, um, I thought the same thing, Daniel. Like, you know, trees, flowers, you know, natural life, nature just seems to be, and there doesn't seem to be um, the same, you know, mental anguish going on, you know, there. But at the same time, it's that anguish that causes us to question what we really are. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's as if, you know, everything is consciousness, but consciousness wants to wake up to itself as consciousness. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it seems like maybe we're the vehicle for that. You know, if, if we, I don't know. I just, I didn't write. I found myself making a round circular thing and realized that what I was drawing was the red thread you remember from Flint's Yes. Thing? Yeah. And then I, underneath, I realized that's what it was. And then I wrote, don't lose the thread. And um, uh, so I was thinking of the William Stafford poem, which is one of my favorites. Uh, I don't know, that was just what was, what was coming for, up for me while we were sitting. I just did Kinhin, trying to empty my mind <laughs> after we have read. <laughs> Len? I was uh, rereading this paragraph. I, I will read it. It says, if we say that the one mind of all sentient beings appears by two gates, truth and samara, sa samsara, then what is samsara? The gate of samsara is the gate of origination 
and extinction, birth and death. And I was thinking about birth. It is probably quite um, obvious even that you open this gate of this truth. But um, it seems to me kind of enigmatic, the gate of death that you will only experience when you are there and nobody else can tell, tell you about it. And it opens the same, you know, kind of um, mysterious or powerful or whatever gate. So I was just kept thinking on that. Thank you. I think that's a good analogy, the death thing. And we have so many preconceptions about it, don't we? Mm -hmm. So right before this, I had a conversation with someone and they were saying, well, they didn't need to do Zazen because they were gardening. And I didn't really respond. And so as I sat for our 10 minutes at the beginning, I started thinking about that. So I wrote something about that for this person. And also my wife doesn't do Zazen, but she gardens and does pottery and does tea and all kinds of things. And <coughs> so this is what I wrote. So why is gardening not Zazen? Because something comes of it. You can be in a flow state gardening, but there is an end. Why isn't Zazen meditation? Because in Zazen, there is no end. In meditation, you go somewhere or you achieve something. In Zazen, you are nowhere. In gardening, if gardening was Zazen, then we wouldn't need Zazen and gardeners would be agents of truth. Rather, they are generally good at helping plants grow and making beautiful spaces, but Zazen, because it has no goals, operates at a different level, which ultimately can inform gardening and everything else. Does that make sense? Yes. It reminds me when I, when I went to study pottery because I wanted to experience centering clay on the wheel. I wanted the experience of centering. And then I would get so annoyed that all these things came out of it. And I'd be like, I don't want things. Now I have to glaze the things and I have to fire the things and I have to do something with the things and they're in my, things are in my car. I don't want the, I don't want the things. I felt like I was, I was doing it in such a different way from how other people were approaching it because I, I wasn't, I could have done, I could have just taken that lump of clay and, and slammed it on the table and started all over again, I guess, would have been the thing to do. Yeah. Do you know there's a book called Centering by I, something Richards, a famous book, and it's a pottery book, but it's all about centering, like you're talking about. That's cool. neat that you just want it to center. It's very difficult. I never got got the hang of it it's very difficult you have to be strong <laughs> it fights you 
you know it's, it's maddening it, it was uh, genev studied with my wife pottery but it, it's maddening to see her do it it's, it's so effortless for her and kim what, what could be the difference um with a walking walking meditation because there is a product there movement and you go from one point to another right Sometimes we talk about it as a transition between uh, zazen and being in the world. And then sometimes it is meditation itself. So yeah, there is movement, but there's also breathing to meditation. So is that different? Don't they say that you can do zazen sitting standing, lying <laughs> down, walking. <laughs> well, I don't know that he said walking. It was sitting, standing, or lying down or something. It was three things. Oh, I think it was four. Might have been oh, you think it was walking too? I think I, so. Who, who, who is Buddha, this? Buddha. Oh. So oh. there's three ways to do the Zazen. I thought it was three ways. Flint, Flint was talking in the intensive about the difference between meditation and zazen. And he seemed to be saying that the wholehearted effort was an integral part of making it different and, and also the absence of any desire of an outcome. Um, well, that's what I think I'm getting at. But also this person was, thought they had achieved something because they had lots of things going on and then they had a trick and then they were able to clear their mind. So that's that's more like gardening, it seems. Like if you if you say, oh, now I'm successful, now I'm not, you know, like if you go to that place. But in Kinhin or walking meditation, I mean, like Pithat Han, um, he recommended uh, walking meditation, often as far as I recall. And you, you don't need to be aware even um, well I, I walked here in this narrow uh, strip of the room and I I don't know why I knew why, why I knew when I need to turn otherwise I would hit the wall I wasn't aware of it of course I'm familiar now with this this space so I suspect you could do zazen doing anything you know I mean I'm not sold on my argument here. My uh, my therapist actually in our last session said, told the story that um, this man went to his teacher and said, would it be okay if I meditated while I was smoking? And the teacher said, no, meditating is meditating. And then he went out and he walked, he passed a friend who was sitting there smoking and meditating. And he said, well, I don't understand. My teacher said that I couldn't do that. And he said, well, I just asked my teacher if I could meditate while I smoke. <laughs> and the teacher said, sure. That's a good story. <laughs> not this, not this. <laughs> Which amounts to yes. <laughs> because I often, I often, um, compare with someone else the instructions that Peg gives us. And, and it sounds like it's a different person. Peg is a different person, you know. 
our in the instructions are so different. I, I think I read um, some book. I don't know if we read it as part of our depth and practice years ago, but um, uh, well, I can't think of the uh, Zen teacher now, um, but he talked about when he was young, he'd been taught to sit Zazen in a you know, very specific way, you know, um, you know, in lotus position with the hands and mudra and, and, you know, stiff. And he'd done that as a monk for a long time. And then uh, he stopped being a monk, but he was still doing meditation, but all of a sudden his back went out oh, and he just couldn't, um, he couldn't meditate in the position he'd been taught. And he became so distraught. He just went into a deep depression and totally like gave up his practice because he, he was, un, he thought that he wasn't able to do it properly, you know, anymore. And then one day he just had a, you know, uh, <laughs> an opening and it said, you can sit in a chair. You could lie flat on your back. <laughs> Why, you know, just do that. And he did. And all of a sudden, you know, his, um, he connected again to his spiritual life and, and went on to become a Shokura. I can't think of the name. Uh, he wrote a book that we all probably know of, and I'm really bad at remembering uh, who these guys are. But I was struck by that because at the time I was trying to do everything perfectly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it made an impression on me. Anything else? That was a great discussion. See you all next week. <laughs>